Hey guys, welcome back to the Pod of Greed. Another week. I'm so glad you said that. I forgot the name of our podcast. And another uh, set of gaming news. So, um, what do we start with? Yu-Gi-Oh, I guess? Yeah, I mean, we always start with Yu-Gi-Oh. It's, it's, the, it's our main game. Kind of the tradition If you couldn't tell here. by his hat. There's not a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh news this week, I feel. Like, little Not a stuff. lot of, like, straight TCG news. Some sets came out. Battles of Legends. Legends Monstrous Revenge. Monstrous Revenge. That came out last week. Uh, we opened some of it. We did. We did a we video did. on the channel. What do you think of the set? I think it's a really cool set. It's got a lot of just not kind of um, a lot of just one-offy anime-inspired cards. Lots of just cool text. Most will end up as filler in our bulk. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of weird with these Battles of Legend sets. They basically are kind of like anim. It's like Animation Chronicle and stuff. Usually, they're importing. I don't know what that is. Like the OCG set animation. I don't know what that is either. You've opened it. Opened what? Anyway, the point is, yeah, lots of those get imported. And, um, you know, a lot of that stuff admittedly will be like filler for a lot of competitive players. But I do like reading the cards. I I always looked about looked forward to Battles of Legend because of Performa Pals. Yeah. They, Pretty much every year. Every year Performa Pals <laughs> get new cards in there. So th- th- I've always looked forward to them. I've looked forward to them since Armageddon. I feel like um, yeah, Armageddon. Some of the cards I expected to be in this Battles of Legend were in Maze of Memories because Maze of Memories like imported like that Red yeah. Eyes card, like the Duel Academy, and all that. I mean, so many cards have been broken up between their importing from uh, the place that will not be named to the TCG. I mean, we just got Assault Synchron, but we thought we were going to get Assault Synchron with the uh, XL Stardust Dragon. Yeah, a little strange they split them up. Into, and quite far apart, yeah. actually. Also strange is that, like, Master Duel is the, for a change, has been getting a lot of these cards before, or, like, right when the TCG gets them. But it's only those, like, import kind of anime cards mm-hmm. like that, so. Now, I'm not 100% sure, like, what's the difference between these cards and other cards that we get imported into main sets. I don't know. Konami just does a little bit of everything, I think. Right. Um, it's... As a player, it's a bit annoying because you never know if you're going to get all the support for your deck. I hate that. I really hate when that like happens. You on, the only time you know is if it's in a main set. If it's not in a main set, Yeah, it could be imported luck. now. It could be imported later. You know, like that one Red Eyes card, I think it just took forever to finally... Like, it could be in a Battles of Legend. It can be in one of those Duelist packs or whatever they're called. De- deck builder sets. I remember back when, like, the the big meme with that was, like, Fright for Patchwork, where it just went, like, <laughs> two, three years without getting imported. Yeah. Oh, ooh, another one. Uh, this is older. Uh, Nebra Disc. Yeah, I remember, the yeah, Konami Nebra Disc. Uh, Striker Dragon, I remember being kind of, like, elusive until they just finally decided to import it. So, yeah, I don't like when they do that, mainly because it's, like, you know that your deck has a card that mm-hmm. it needs. Because those tend to be, like, single one-off cards that, like, really help to level up a deck. Even, like, that card Green Ninja, right? Yeah, Ninja's got, me. like, support in two consecutive sets, but Green Ninja was technically an import. So there was a non-zero chance that they could have just held that card for, like, a year. And Green Ninja's not even that important. It's just a useful tech that you run, like, one copy of. And it's just the fact that you want to have access to those cards sooner rather than later, so... Just give me my full deck, Konami. That's all I want. Yeah, so that came out. Um, a lot of quarter-century secret rares in there as well. Yeah. We pulled, like, a Heart Earth Dragon, which was, like, <laughs> the most disappointing Guys, thing. Guys, you don't understand how much I hate Heart Earth Dragon. I remember going through binders back in 2014, 2015 sometime, and there's like an ultimate rare, like Heart of Dragon, something like that. And I hated that card, because why was that my ulti? And of course, we pull it as a quarter secret. 
I got a question speaking of these quarter secrets. Do you feel like, are you feeling the 25th anniversary this year of Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, are you feeling the festivities, would you say? No. No? Um, no. Yeah. These cards have not taken me back. What do you think Konami is, like, do you feel like they're kind of missing something with how they're celebrating it? Because they've done, so like all the packs this year have had 25th anniversary or a little stamp on them. And they've introduced the quarter century thing. And they've done a few, like, unique things. Like, I guess there's the Kaiba Court briefcase. But for yeah, they me... they had to pay for. Well, I mean... But for me, I feel like they just haven't... So I've seen, like, OCG products, right? Like, we've opened a few of those ones from, like, Yugi Market. And... No, I haven't. Um, I feel like they've done a better job with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've just done a better job of making the... Making the 25th anniversary over there feel more special. We haven't gotten any special so, sleeves. We haven't gotten any special like playmat. From my perspective, as a a fairly avid mobile game player, you know, mobile games have anniversaries. They're not around for very long, so each one's important. You never know if your game's even gonna make it to year. Yu-Gi-Oh!'s anniversaries are so interesting to me because it doesn't feel like an event at all. Oftentimes in a mobile game when there's an anniversary, they it's it's all kinds of it's a it's all kinds of like pomp and flash. New, uh, there's a new event. There's new characters. There's shiny new things. There's re, re um, they redo old things. All Konami's really done is reprint some old packs that we had to pay for full yeah, price. Yeah, we pay way too much for uh, that. They made they made this new they made the monstrous revenge and some other sets. Given quarter century secret rares, then we paid the same amount of money for them. All they did was take what they were already going to give us and they put a little bit of glitter yeah, on it. Yeah, a little bit on it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think like we need something that just feels special. And I don't even know what that something is. So I don't want to complain too like, much because like maybe I don't know it's exactly. the, um, what's it called? The. Like another thing at the end of the year. Yeah, maybe it's the collection anniversary that, collection that, like that gonna, we're also paying for. Hoorah. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a good set. But I guess I just, like I said, I wanted to see more in the way of accessories, sleeves and like. Deck boxes, play mats, a little bit of that, because the OCG gets that, and it's just weird to me that I don't know what that is. Simple things like that aren't, um, you know, like aren't getting imported. So uh, it it's it is it hasn't felt like an important anniversary. I get that it's happening, but it feels like it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Yeah, so anyways, uh, yeah, the set's out. It's cool. People are pulling stuff. It seems like it's a fun set to open. Um, Ooh, I know what, what we need. What we need is an actual event. Like, a there should have been a Yu-Gi-Oh! 25th anniversary, like, live stream, event, thing. party, something. Yeah, I think it would have been cool if there was maybe, like, a even a thing that locals were supposed to host. Yeah, that would have been cool, that too. That would have been very cool. Anyways, yeah, so that's Battles of Legend known Is there anything else, Yu-Gi-Oh-wise, in terms of news that's been happening or announced? I never did pull an arm Neos. Wait, that's not that's not where I moved on. Well, I mean I know you need Guys, it. send me Arm Neos. Yeah, you got any any Yu-Gi-Oh stuff? Uh yeah, so I found this this morning. Actually, I saw this a couple days ago, but I did, I thought it was fake. Um <laughs> so there is now a Enemy controller replica. So is it by Premium Bandai? I believe that this is 
Is the premium Bandai over? I it's I know it's only available in Japan. I'm not sure who's actually hosting this thing. They say that, but I'll get my. It says it went it. live today on most Japanese toy websites. So okay, ja- so Japanese so toy a, websites. A, a, an enemy controller. I will get it. What's cool? So what's cool is it is a life size enemy controller, not as big as the one that was in the anime. It was gigantic. Yeah, but like it it fits in the palm of your hands. So you can actually like, like basically the size of a controller. Yeah, you can interact with it like it's a controller. It does not plug into things to actually. That work would have as been the perfect touch if they it, did. It doesn't do that, but what it does have is a soundboard. Really? And so when you press the different buttons, you get music, sound effects, and voice acting from the anime. Now that is cool. It's all in Japanese though, so no Eric Stewart. And see that. So to me, that's like that's kind of where that issue comes in. Like. Why is that not being imported? Like, why are we not getting that in America as part of the I mean, 25th? you can import it. Yeah, exactly. Like, Konami's <laughs> like, you can figure it out if you follow these, you know, Japanese pre-order sites and stuff, and you use some third-party proxy site. And it's just kind of like, for me, I guess I'm like, come on, Konami. Like, like that'd be fun. Release that. I want an enemy controller that has, like, anime sounds on it. And I want it to also not be, like, $400. That would help. How many units would they sell? I guess that's the hard part, right? Like, I don't know how many like, people would buy this. Do we know how much it costs or, like, what it kind of translates yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw, I saw some price in the end. 7,920 yen, roughly 55 U.S. dollars. That's a good deal. Like, if it's way better than that freaking, like, 300 or $400 Kaiba briefcase. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I feel like that's, that's more special to me, so. I wonder if it comes to, like, a stand or something where you can prop it up. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. But it does look interesting. I don't know if you saw the pictures of it. Oh, it I does like look it. Interesting. I love the simplicity of enemy controller. Yeah, I mean, it's not a complex controller. I mean, back when this cart was first made, we didn't even have, like, PlayStation 3 or anything. Like, controllers were much simpler back then. Yeah, do you know the Konami code by heart? I don't know. The, all I know is the one that Kaiba enters What's the one he that? uses? It's, uh, it's left, right, A, B. Yeah, it's like a shortened version of it. Because I think the Konami code is, like, up, down, left, right, A, B, start, or something like so that. That sounds about right. I might be wrong. Actually, that might be wrong, too, because I feel like it was longer than I that. I know they have a Konami code, so they... There is, in fact, a Konami code. I wonder if you put the code into the controller if it gives you, like, a special... Like on, on It that probably one. does. That it would be funny. Does. It probably I mean, does. Cool. There's some... What game did I put the Konami code in and I got something? Was it the Go Rush game? Yeah, the Dawn of the Battle Royale. Yeah. Yeah, if you put in, like, the Konami code, you get some special cards on that. If you didn't know that, now you know. You know what's... Okay, I just thought something really sad about the whole 25th anniversary thing. It said, like, in the year the 25th anniversary, like, Crossdoll's ending. <laughs> like, like, let's start off the 25th anniversary with a nice positive announcement. Yu-Gi-Oh! Crossdoll will be ending this year. That's, that's a shame. That is a yeah. shame. Um, so, yeah, but the enemy controller's cool. I will pre-order one. I'll own it. I also, I did pre-order my Red Eyes. I know I mentioned that on a previous mm-hmm. podcast that the pre-orders were open. They are now, like, open. You can pre-order until, like, I think the end of July. And I did. So. Good stuff. I'll have it. I ordered the Dark Magician Girl, but that was, like, several months back that they started the, the pre-orders And it'll be several more months until you get it. Yeah, I think I got the purple one. I hate pre-ordering. Like, pre- purple pre-order or black culture. Red Eyes Black Dragon. Who? Like, Red Eyes Black Dragon, they've got a purple one and they have a black one. Like, you know, like in the anime, it kind of appears one way, but then, like, the card looks another. Right. The, yeah, Which one It's kind of, like, purplish. Um, For red eyes. I think, aesthetically, black. Mm-hmm. But, nostalgically, purple. Yeah. That makes any sense. I went with purple, because I, I, I tend to go for nostalgia with these more the more so than, like, 
just the look. And then, yeah, yeah. like you said, it's it's pre-order kind of nonsense. You got to pre-order it. It's not going to come out until like late 2024 mm-hmm. or something. So I'll never actually get it. But when I do, it'll be cool, I guess. When, about, like, um, when the 25th anniversary is ended. Sorry, I, I know I'm harping on that. I just, I don't know. I just feel like I think I do more. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! video games. Um, there were some updates. Oh, yeah. Master, Master Duel. Duel Links. Uh, Master Duel had something too, but Duel Links got a new set uh, yeah. called, um, oh, I forgot the name. Was it Zillion Thunder or Zillion Lightning? Either way, it has the Arm Dragon Thunders. It's like a, it's one of our mini boxes where there's not as many cards and you still pay a lot of money, but you should be able to get all the cards you want eventually. Yeah. But it has the Arm Thunder Dragons, which are, um, you know, they're they're pretty something. It has ID and Ether, the uh, the Monarch cards. It has Earth's Arctic. Wow. And something else I'm, that's slipping my mind. But, yeah, for the most part, that's that's the mini box. Um, so Duel Links is still, you know. Well, sorry, did you have any more about it? I, I, I'll, if I remember it. Are any of the decks? No, those are not decks I'm interested in, though. Yeah. You got to be, in Duel Links, you have to be very um, calculated in what you pull and what you build because this game will dry will drain you dry if you try and build every single thing that's yeah. even remotely interesting. What I was going to say, too, is I'm pleasantly, I'm not surprised, but like I'm happy to hear that Duel Links is still like going. I remember that period of time when people were like, Master Duel came out and since Duel Links oh, is yeah. irrelevant Duel now. Duel Links is over, party. It's dead. And I'm glad that it's still going because I do think that the more I play Master Duel and kind of engage with the TCG, I'm finding that Duel Links does still have a very important place in the mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh kind of offering because it's actually the only thing where it feels like the anime matters anymore. They actually have the characters, they have the and voices, and the, that that animation of yeah. it. Like, because it, it it's still kind of nostalgic. I think like Master Duel, they, you know, they've kind of removed, stripped a lot of that out just for it to be the card game. And then the TCG, it's like a mix of it all. But, you know, I think it's cool. I know um, you're alluding to Master Duel news. On that front, I can definitely say I'm still waiting for the new ban list to happen. I'm moderately excited about it, but they did start a new... But they hit tier, and you said you'd play more when they hit tier. Yeah, on July 1st, still not still not here yet. <laughs> Got a couple more days. Um, <laughs> new Duel Pass. Some cool new rewards. I'm going to finally be able to grind the Duel Pass again. And I did play a little in the Synchro Festival. I will quickly update you guys on my experience with that. It wasn't good. Dang. I don't... So not for any overtly bad reason, but Synchro Summoning is kind of one of my least favorite mechanics in Yu-Gi-Oh! I've never been too big on Synchro Summoning. I find that to do it, and you'll know what I'm talking about, like Synchro is like a kind of harder concept to teach people. Like the concept's simple enough, but like... I don't like combo decks, and synchro decks, typically the best ones, kind of just involve a lot of comboing. Oh, yeah. There are simple ones like Sword Soul, but, like, Sword Soul's so... Sword Soul takes the synchro, like, the it actual, takes like... the synchro part out of it because it... Yeah, it, it, do, like, it, it does it for you. It does it for you. Like, it just makes the token. It's the right level. And so, so it's like, I want... I'm at an impasse with synchro where, like, I want to kind of enjoy the mechanic, but I don't want it to be too automated for me. But then it's like, when it gets too complex, like those, you know, junk, Speeder, doppel, just 10-minute Stardust combos. I don't want that either. It's so fun. It's like, I don't know, it's a little weird. But anyways, I was using the different um, trial decks that they give you. There's a goatee deck, which is pretty good. A red Goatee or fish. Oh, ghost fish. Yeah, the ghost fish deck. And then also um, there was a red dragon archfiend loader deck. Okay. I thought that was kind of neat. 
It works, although it's bricky as hell. That, that, that deck is, it's, it's a really, yeah. it's a bricky mess. Um, and, hopefully the real gonna, life starter helps. Yeah, the starter deck, though, change things. And then the Ice Jade deck was the third one. And I oh. thought that was a very odd pick for the last, like, loner synchro deck because that deck isn't overtly synchro summon based. They have a boss monster that is a synchro, but it doesn't really, like, have to happen. I thought they had multiple synchros. Don't I have one? I think there's a one. I might oh. be wrong. One thing I was going to say I learned from it, though, Ice Jade is such a unique, interesting deck, and I know it's one that people just, no one's really interested in. It just kind of got, like, looked over Tragic. very quickly. And in the Albaz lore, even, it's kind of a one-note thing, it feels like. But it, I did gain some respect for just the concept of it. It's fun that there are still, like, unique, quirky little control decks that are a little awkward, but they're fun and they're, you know, no... So I'm glad they made it a loner deck. So Ice Jade's a control try. deck, uh, guys. I did not know. Yeah, that. I would call it a. It's an awkward control deck, but it's you know, it does that. So, uh, yeah. And so I just grinded to get to the part where you get like the Tech Genus Graveyard Banish Zone accessory. A lot of people quit against me. Like well, some people what just were you playing? I was just using different loner decks, just rotating through oh, the loner okay. decks. People just quit. It was really weird. I guess like people just super weren't like super into the event. I don't know, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of been happening. I'm just looking forward to July. They're still doing a thing where if you quit, you don't get any points. Yeah, you don't even get any points, but people are still doing it. Mm. So I don't know what that's what that's about. Yeah, stop quitting Yu-Gi-Oh games. Um, so here's one last little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh news. Unless you have something else, they announced um the voice actor duel for Yu-Gi-Oh Nationals this year, like the North America WCQ. Who is it? It's going to be Billy Bob Thompson, the voice of Gong Strong. I thought you were going to say Billy Bob Thornton. And Ted Lewis, who voices Jack Atlas. They'll be competing in a live duel at the Yu-Gi-Oh! North America WCQ. So I suppose that's super heavy samurais would, is what Gong uses. You look uh, amused. I'm just confused. <laughs> okay. Because I, I knew immediately who like what, what you were saying. It's just because I was like, wait. Gong versus Jack. It's such a super heavy duel. versus Red Dragon. It's so random. I sometimes think that they just get whoever they can get. Super heavy do synchro summon. So it feels random, but I guess it makes sense because Super Heavy just got support in Cyberstorm access, and then they're probably going to be previewing the like the Red Dragon structure. sort of structure that deck a little sense. early, and so they're it's probably meant to be like Jack wins. I'm sure. And, like, you're going to get to see some of the cool new cards in action. I've seen the new Super Heavy cards. Jack ain't got shit on that. (laughs) I mean, hey, but if that, like, Link Monster's banned, maybe it's there or something. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe they won't let him use it. Yeah, I think the voice actor duels are pretty neat. I've heard that they are really fun to experience in person. I have seen one in person at the 2019 Worlds uh, Mm -hmm. in Germany, so that was was cool. Stop flexing on them, Paul. Yeah, uh, that was... I think that was Yugi versus Kaiba. It was Eric yeah. Stewart, Dan Green. Even got to meet them. Really cool. Really still cool flex. People. I told him stop flexing you. I don't know why he's still doing it. I mean, I think people do meet them at like conventions and stuff, but but you know they don't get to meet them like you meet them. You know. Yeah, I know. I'm very well connected. <laughs> no. Um. So so that was pretty cool. That's a that's a neat thing to look forward to if um you ever wanted to see Gong versus Jack. No one has ever asked. <laughs> I don't for know that. if anyone's ever asked for that ever. specific matchup, but didn't was it last year? No, it was some year where they had the voice actor for Aster Phoenix and the voice actor for Jaden there. I think that they were never together. I remember Aster faced Jack Atlas like several years ago at Nats. Because 
what there was a uh, because there's a play mat that's making rounds or made rounds. It's a it's an Aster Jaden play mat, and mm. I, I've seen people with both their signatures on it. Oh, maybe it was. And so I, I was thinking that well, maybe they must have played in a live duel somewhere, but I don't remember that happening. And I, but I don't follow all of the uh, the the worlds and nets coverage yeah, that closely. Cycle. Yeah, I mean that'll be cool. So if you're going to the Yu-Gi-Oh nationals, then definitely you know tune in. I mean I'm sure it'll also be in the live stream. That'll be cool. I think that's it for Yu-Gi-Oh news. I don't think there's a lot else to to say. Probably probably a Yu-Gi-Oh light week. You know it happens. Every yeah, so sometimes often. some weeks don't have a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. So you got any other stories though? Yeah, um, stuff you know, I can't have? go a week without mentioning something about Magic the Gathering. Oh, got to, got to. <coughs> so the hunt for the ring continues. Oh, boy. The one ring as we know it, the one of one, has not been found yet. This article actually talks about everyone's favorite streamer, or some people's favorite streamer. I only know him because Paul talked about him a couple times. XQC spends an absurd amount of money trying to find Magic the Gathering's one ring. Oh, boy. Yeah, so actually, I saw this headline as well. I think he spent like $9,000 on stream. I know that he has said in the past that he has a gambling addiction, like an actual, you know, and so it's interesting to watch, I guess, now that sort of thing in real time. Yeah, and it, they're a card game of all things. That's the medium. I mean, the card games are gotchas. They that, really are. It's a strange, like, in this article, I read through this article. And the essentially talk about how much he spent, and it, it talks about how card games are becoming the new like lottery, the new way to gamble. It's um, it's no longer about the enthusiasts and the card collection. No, it's about you input your dollars and try to pull your um winning lottery ticket. Right. You know something about that too that I think is um not often talked about is just like this element of you don't have to care what the cards are. Like mm-hmm. if you think about it, like you can just, just open the packs and know what the chase is and just open until the chase appears. Right. And you don't have to care about playing the cards, collecting them. I sometimes get that vibe actually from Pokemon TCG. Like I'll watch a lot of like pokey tubers. I'll be like, Oh, like what's the TCG look like? And not many people really play the TCG but a lot of people collect it. And sometimes when you're watching them open the pack, they're just shooting through the cards. Like, it just doesn't seem like anyone cares about, like, what the Pokemon are, what the cards do. It is just like, did I get kind of the chase thing or not? And see, at least with Pokemon and even Yu-Gi-Oh! to an extent, it's not so lottery-like. Right, You These cards are seeded once per, like, a copy per X number of cases or a a copy per case. If you keep pulling, you will eventually find the card you're looking for. But this is a one for a one of one, a in a set that's being printed millions of times. You will not like necessarily pull the one ring if you just keep buying packs. It just that's not how this is gonna work. It's not how this goes. I mean, especially yes, the lie though, or not the well. I guess the marketing of it is that, like, you could or whatever. So, and that's the thing. You could pull it. And so there's there's always going to be that tan- that kind of, like, tantalizing, um, like, image of you busting open a, a collector's booster. It's $40 pack. And you pull the one ring. And as we know, uh, at least I think, the highest uh, offer for it is still the $2 million from that Spanish uh, card shop. Yeah. And, you know, 
For some people, that's worth $40. For some people, that's worth $9,000. I know. Now, should XQC have spent that $9,000? It's his money. I, I have no control or real say in like how he spends his money. But if this weren't a thing, that's $9,000 that would still be in his pocket today. Something that's just to add on to that a little bit is that the, in the streaming culture, and I felt this about like YouTube's kind of experienced a lot of this in the last few years too, um, is I guess people kind of living vicariously through their favorite streamer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as you watch XQC or whatever channel like opened up the newest box or whatever game set, there's almost this kind of like, I can live vicariously through them. I can watch them open this and it feels like I'm there with them. But also... I guess it's like nowadays there's it's so much more common to see people like when I was a teenager or so kind of getting into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh obviously I didn't really have nearly as much like money to spend or disposable income but like the idea of buying a box was still something quite special but today by like today's standards a box is like just the price of entry type of thing a box is the bare minimum now like nowadays come on bro you get cases and like you you know or you multiple cases and You'll see like streamers and stuff where it's just like, you know, opening like 10 cases of Cyberstorm Access. And I'm not saying no, nothing against them. I and mean, it's fine. It's interesting content. But I do sometimes worry that maybe people watching might also kind of get. If you're just watching for fun, that's fine. But like maybe younger viewers or people who are just not as maybe aware of what they're watching, more impressionable viewers might go out and like. I'm going to also spend like thousands searching for the Starlight Rare. Hopefully or, it's thousands know. they can afford to spend. Yeah, and like, that's the thing is you don't know that it's thousands that they're able to spend. And so, and let's not forget, content creators are being paid. Yeah, Content creators, when they spend a lot of money to do any one thing, there is this. There is There's a, compensation um, in many forms. Uh, oh, my, my business, my MBA is failing me right now. There is a return on investment when yeah. we make content. When we spend money and make content, we do make money back on the back end. Yeah, those ad revenue or affiliate links or just like even maybe the place, there's like some, some shop sponsored you to open the thing. Like when your favorite content creator does a crazy thing and takes a loss, yeah, they're taking a loss, but it's subsidized by the money. By, by what, the, the donations or yeah. the everything else that's happening during that stream. So we could, so like when Paul spends $9,000 to try and pull the, the one ring Which next I week. Which I not do. Um, <laughs> I'm speaking into existence. When he, when he spends $9,000 and he does it live on stream, the stream is supposed to. The stream supposed to make supposed the to money cover back, it. It's supposed like to like make yeah. it back, if not make more. Sometimes streamers do crazy things like that and make more than they spent. Yeah, and by getting people kind of hyped up into the moment, it's just. And I'm not, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, so like I just, I guess it's one of those things where just. Make sure that you're aware of what you're watching. And, and make that. sure you're aware of what you're pulling. And that actually brings me to my next point. Oh, okay. So, XQC uh, spent $9,000 trying to pull this card, right? Yes, he did. Well, the uh, common sentiment in the Magic the Gathering collecting community is that the One Ring is not in those collector boosters at all. There's only one of it, right? Yeah. And, I said the Blizzard. <laughs> Wizards actually intends to sell... Gift bundles, uh, very soon. What are the These gift, gift bundles? bundles are supposed to be like well, bundles. There's like there's accessories, packs, and oh, okay. stuff that you can buy for a loved one, and they each come with a collector's booster pack. And they charge a very obscene amount of money for them. I don't remember the exact number, but these aren't cheap. 
and they justify it because it comes with a collector's booster. And that collector's booster may have a chance to get the one ring. See, they're not out yet. And if the one ring had been pulled in XQC stream, then the, then the buying value proposition for this upcoming mm-hmm. gift bundle would be destroyed. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so, so because... So basically, in saying that these gift bundles will be out soon, and they'll have the pack, they'll have the chance to get the one ring, it's maybe in a, by proxy it's saying that all of the ones released up until now don't actually have it seated in them. It's a very real, or chance, a real chance of that. Of that. Interesting. I mean, you know... what Doesn't that kind of feel a little wrong? Because yeah. I'm sure XQC is not the only person or people or group of people who chose to spend a lot of money initially trying to pull the one ring. I'd feel some type of way if I realized that that this entire wave just straight up didn't have the card. And you know, I was saying that weeks ago. You remember I said it, I was like, yeah. what if it just isn't in the first like wave of release? Now again, there's no proof about it. It's all like, you That's know. True. It could be sitting on someone's shelf right now. But I just, it's an interesting thought. So. And I have a little bit more. Okay, it goes on. The plot yeah, thickens. so um, I was watching one of the professor's videos about bundles. Boys of the Coast, when they make these magic sets, boy, do they pump out product. They put out a booster set. They put out the um, the com- the uh, collector's booster. They put out the, the quote-unquote bundles, and yeah. this set is no different. They're excluding the... Gift bundle. There's like two other bundles with the Lord of the Rings set. These are all going to be marked up because they come with accessories. They come with like a die or whatever. All kinds of little stuff. stuff. Little swag. It's all going to run you like $60 and up, but you know. Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing. Well, these bundles don't have collector's boosters in them. And while the, and these, they won't say, they don't say, um, oh, you may pull the one of one ring in these, in this set. But to a layman who only the knows associated marketing is there. Yeah, they believe that. Oh, this is this is the Lord of Rings set from Magic the Gathering. I can buy this bundle, which is supposed to be like a better deal, and it's, I can, I might be able to pull the one of one ring. But you can't see, and that's what I was saying. I said that a few weeks ago, didn't I? Where like there's kind of this when I found out that the one ring couldn't be pulled in like your standard like little four or five dollar pack. It was only in this like forty dollar collector's pack. It's like. I think that there will be a lot of people who don't know. Like, they just don't know the specifics of that, and so they'll buy it kind of just by association. And the plot thickens, you know? Yeah. The plot thickens. You know, honestly, I'm at the point where I hope this ring just gets pulled sooner rather than later. Just to so like that end this, it. Yeah, so it can just end. <laughs> and, okay, so I'm going to give it a bit of a, a silver lining to all of this. Because like I know like we've been I guess making it sound like it's all a bad thing. I've heard great things about the set. Like mm-hmm. the actual set I've heard wonderful things about. Like I've heard people really enjoy it. Besides, I guess Black Aragorn, that's a very different thing. I like Black but, Aragorn. I don't care. You know, I've heard like people they enjoy the set. They enjoy like, you know, the the like little pre constructed deck or whatever they've mm-hmm. been like all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Cool, neat cards and people like that. It's just I guess this ring stuff is not even a negative part, but it's 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 really it just muddies you know, the water. It muddies a bit. things a bit. So, so maybe you know, hey, if you like magic, you can just buy the packs and actually just play the cards. But that Why gets back not? to the thing you were saying about like where there are people who aren't they couldn't give any less shit about playing any of these games. They just want trying to win the lottery. Okay, well, any, any other, oh, anything else on that? Yeah, no, I'm good on that. You got any TCG news? Um, well, 
So here's a quick one. Star Wars Unlimited releases quick start rules and reveals some new cards. Um, this was this actually happened like last week, and I just think I kind of missed it. But um, yeah, as you guys know, Star Wars is getting a TCG, Star Wars Unlimited, and they officially released their quick start rule set along with several new cards. Today, Fantasy Flight Games released the rules for the new training card game that's coming out next year. The rule set details everything from deck building rules to victory conditions to how exactly to deploy cards and attack. While some of the rules were either fully revealed or strongly hinted at, they provide the deepest look yet for the upcoming game. And they revealed three new cards over the past several weeks. What are they? The Cloud City Wingard and Viper Probe Droid Unit cards, and the I Am Your Father action card, which was appropriately first revealed on Father's Day. I guess the flavor text is, Search your feelings, you know it to be true. From Darth Vader's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Um, so yeah, in Star Wars Unlimited, players build a 50-card deck made up of a mix of units, actions, and event cards. Each deck's got a leader and a base card that are pinned up the playing field at the beginning of play. And every card has an aspect or a symbol that sort of serves a similar role as a color and so magic. So they have a deck master slash vanguard. Yeah. So um, it's cool. It seems like, you know, that's there's kind of more to the game. It's... I'm still not going to play it. Like I, I, I still have just no real interest in that right now. Like, but I can be convinced to try it. Um, I don't have the highest hopes in the world. I believe the company that's behind it, uh, they're not even necessarily really known for... Well, yeah, it sounds TCGs. like they don't have the best reputation. So I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, you know how I always am. I, um, I do want card games to sort of do well i would like to see this game maybe introduce something new and and like take off it's just probably won't be me playing it it sounds like it's very similar to magic i think like i'll make my decision based off of what the cards look like as it goes i'm yeah. an aesthetics guy what can i say yeah and just on the note of uh star wars unlimited i know that the xeno what well, not xenoverse shadowverse <laughs> dragon yes. ball xenoverse um yeah, Shadowverse or whatever. That's like kind of been that's releasing right around now. That was actually uh, something I was gonna bring up. Shadowverse next, actually. Okay, what you got? So Shadowverse drops tomorrow. Yeah, I guess when you guys are watching that, it'll be tomorrow. Or and um, they at least on Twitter they posted there's a Shadowverse app called Shadowverse Evolve Sidekick. It will, and I wasn't able to download it in time for the video, but um, it's a companion companion app. I'm assuming it's a tutorial. Mm-hmm. And it shows you how to play the game. I'm genuinely curious how this is all going to go with Shadowverse. Only because, like we said before, there just has not been a lot of like big marketing push behind this game. And even their Twitter account, it's quite like small. So we're going to be attending Anime Expo, actually, this weekend. And Don't you dox me. <laughs> we'll be at Anime Expo. He will. I'm, I'm going to be somewhere else. I'm um, if you guys happen to be there, come say hi. But also, um, Shadowverse is supposed to have a booth there. So because they have not responded to any of my emails where I've reached out and been like, hey, we'd like to try this game out, I will march up to their booth and I'm going to tell them, teach me how to play this. Teach me how to Dougie. I'm... <sighs> Dang it. And I will uh, <laughs> I'll put a camera in front of it and see what I can get. I mean, to... I am curious. I haven't played Shadowverse in many, 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 many years to the point where I've basically forgotten how to play. 
That's assuming the card game plays similarly to the app game, which I, I'm assuming it does because Shadowverse was it was a card, it was a digital card game, like really yeah. one of the first. It was a very old one. So you know, we'll we'll see like how that goes. And I guess one last thing I'll add to this. I don't, did you have anything else for the Shadowverse? No, 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 because uh, there's just not that much information. So it's more of an update. Where is an update on Paul's personal life? I just downloaded. Oh no, the Pokemon Live app, the oh, Live TCG it, app. Edit. And here's why I did it. So, okay, I have Master... On this tablet, actually. So I have Master Duel on this tablet. I do not play it because I feel like Master Duel works like crap on these devices. It's only good on, like, consoles and PC. It's pretty clean Because when I tried PC. it on my phone, it wasn't the best experience. But I have Master Duel on this tablet, and I've got um, Magic the Gathering Arena on this tablet because I'm trying to get a little bit better at playing Commander format. I don't know if that's even on Arena. I only downloaded it yesterday. Arena has its kind of... It's modified Commander-esque format. Okay, cool. So I decided, okay, if I got two of the three of them, I might as well complete the trilogy and get the Pokemon Live app. I've heard terrible things about this app yeah. on the internet. People just seem like they've had a lot of trouble with, I guess, migrating accounts or how they handled something. I don't know. People could fill me in on exactly how bad it is or just wait for me to share my experiences because I downloaded it and I'm going to be trying to play it. And I'm going to fill you all in over the next few weeks as I play Pokemon TCG Live with my thoughts on this. He's going to do it live game. on Twitch, guys. I mean, on Kick. Yeah, catch me on kick. No, guys, we haven't gotten our uh, our kick uh, offer yet, but we're, we're waiting, waiting. You know, just five million. Just uh, we'll let them. You know, five million. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm down. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna be trying out Pokemon TCG Live, see what the hype or not is about, and uh, I will keep you all posted because I don't know. I kind of got into like these little Pokemon cards. I opened a few packs the other day. It was fun. What you pull, Paul? What you pull? Uh, Spoil the video. Oh my god, I don't even. I don't remember what the Pokemon was. I don't even. Something new. Something from this Caldea man don't evolved. play Pokemon. Okay, but that's, so, yeah, that's the Star Wars story. And I guess the Shadowverse And story. Shadowverse, all wrapped in one. Okay, here's an interesting one. Okay, what you got? This is 10 digital trading card games better than Marvel Snap. So this isn't actually news. It's just one of these articles from. One of those listicles. From your favorite website. That better not be comic book resources. No, it's comic book resources. You know it's comic book resources. Yo, I can't stand that website. I hate CBR. And if anyone that works there is listening to this right now and they take offense to that, you know what you're doing. You know yeah. the type of content you're putting I'm out. I'm sorry. CBR like pisses me off sometimes. But they sometimes make fun little articles like this, so maybe they're not all bad. Okay. Um, so there's 10 digital trading card games that are better than Marvel Snap. I think they worded it that way very specifically for like SEO. Because mm-hmm. there's no reason to say better than Marvel Snap. You could just say like the top 10 best you know, digital card games. But we're going to go through them, and I want to hear just your takes on these. Okay, I haven't played every digital card briefly. game, but I can try. I know you've played all of them. Don't lie. Number 10, Magic the Gathering Arena. Never played it. Um, I've heard not, like, amazing things about Arena, but... I mean, it's Larry still around. It. it can't be that bad. Larry plays it a little bit. Uh, I don't... I'm sorry, I just don't understand this list. <laughs> like, what, What's number just, nine? Okay, well, so it's Magic Gathering Arena. Any thoughts on that? Yes, no? I, I haven't played Only it. Thing. I couldn't tell you anything. I'll be trying it out. Number nine is Chronicle, RuneScape Legends. What? I was not even aware that RuneScape had, like, a card game, but Chronicle <laughs> RuneScape Legends is a great example of how lack of support can create... Wait. Is a great example of both of how lack of support can doom a creative idea and how a dedicated community can help one rise from the grave. Releasing in 2016, 
and shutting down in 2018. Ouch. Chronicle had a short official lifespan, but fan projects have kept it alive since, albeit in a simplified form. So they're illegal. It's copyright infringement. So here's an interesting thing. Each match of Chronicle takes place over five chapters where players place down a hand of cards. Once selected, both players move their character through them in a set order, with effects happening simultaneously from slaying monsters to buying gear, and it concludes with a duel at the end of Chapter 5, provided both players have survived that long. That sounds like a very unique premise for a card game. It does sound unique, yeah. I didn't know it existed. But Marvel Snap's unique, too, so I don't see how this is better than Marvel Snap. It just is, okay? CBR said so. Alright, hey. What do you think number 8 is? Couldn't tell you. Hearthstone. Hearthstone. I don't know how you're supposed only to know number that. eight. Yeah, I've heard good things about Hearthstone. I thought people Hearthstone's liked it. Hearthstone's like the number. like the number one digital card game, or at least it was. Yeah. So, um, their little blurb on it is extremely empty of and devoid of much detail. Hearthstone wasn't the first TCG to go digital, but it was the first to reach mainstream appeal. Originally based on the old World of Warcraft TCG, it simplified its mechanics but recycled much of its art for the first few sets. Um, nowadays, Hearthstone stands alone and is still going strong. With a focus on more chaotic and funny gameplay than many other card games, it makes for a great casual game. And that's kind of what they say. I've heard, I don't know about being casual, I've heard people sweating hard in Hearthstone. Number seven is Shadowverse. Oh, okay, look at that. Better, It's better than Hearthstone, I guess. So you've played the app, you said? Years ago. A little bit? Yeah, one of the early pioneers of the digital card game genre, released two years after Hearthstone. It differentiates itself from the competition by minimizing the amount of random effects that can determine a match. Have you noticed the digital card games seem like they have a much higher reliance on like random elements? Oh, like for kind of sure. RNG just because you can automate that instead of being in you know you can, some RNG things are difficult to simulate like simulate phys- physically, physically yeah. but if you can do it automatically, then hey, throw in whatever little mechanics you want. Yeah. So um, Shadowverse, I guess, prides itself in being more. Like skill based, I guess is how like people would read that. So kinda cool. I didn't know they had actual crossovers in Shadowverse from Fate oh, yeah. to Street Fighter. Yep. So kinda cool. Alright, here's one I've never heard of. Number six, a hundred percent orange juice. Is that the developer's name? That's the game the name of the game. I've never heard of this day in my life. It may be played on a board, but there's no doubt it's a card game at heart. With tons of cards to collect and a wide variety of decks to build, it offers a lighter, wackier, and more dice-heavy alternative to more traditional online card games. So it's supposed to be something you enjoy with friends. Okay. That's like all I can really say about it. I mean, maybe it's... Unlike everything else on this list, I don't even know what mental image I have in my head. Yeah, number five is Pokemon TCG Live, which I've heard people hate, but... Apparently, it's way better than Marvel Snap, according to CBR. And so. it's way better than Hearthstone, which is I find it kind of hard to believe. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm just wasting people's time with this list. Like, <laughs> I, just, I don't really know. Like, number four is Gwent, which I didn't even Gwent is, is popular. Is that still around? I thought they yeah. shut that down. I don't think Gwent's shut down. I don't think. Okay. I mean, it's one of the more, it's a, it's a very popular aspect of the Witcher series. Number three is. I don't know how to play. Faria. Faria? Faria? Faria. F-A-E-R-I-A. If you can't pronounce it, I don't know it. Offers a wildly creative take on a collectible card game. While deck building initially seems mundane, the gameplay quickly changes that. Creatures travel on a map of tiles, which are laid down and filled with niches. Mountains, forests, deserts, and lakes. The tiles take on the role of a class or color common in other games, and any deck can... 
place any type at any time. The only one tile per turn. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know um, so I'm looking at Faria right now. And you know what I see when I look at this? Hearthstone with a board. Well, Hearthstone's number eight, and this is number three. Uh, looks like Hearthstone with a board. Our right, number two is Tales of Tribute. Never heard of it. Ever heard, heard of that? No. It's gotta, an MMO like Elder Scrolls Online. Might seem like a strange vessel for a collectible card game, but Tales of Tribute is more robust than just a side quest. Complete with a ranked ladder, story mode, and several decks to collect through Tamriel, there's plenty to do for someone willing to dive in. That's interesting that they say that because it tells me nothing about the actual game itself. I didn't even know that Elder Scrolls had its own uh, Oh, I don't think it's game. actually... Oh, I guess it's connected to Elder Scrolls? Uh, I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I heard that the, the next Elder Scrolls game is supposed to be coming out, and like, then some quote came out like a week ago saying that it's like five or six years away. Like you know, a lot of things have been getting um, these like pushback announcements. I remember when we thought Spider the new Spider Verse was coming out next year, and then they're, they're like, well, "Remember?" Um, they were like, "Yeah." So Across Spider Verse came out this year, and then the next one, Beyond the Spider Verse, was to come out next year, and then it came out I was like, "Oh no, 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 we're not. It, this is not coming out anytime soon. We haven't even started working on it." Okay. But it was already supposed. It already had a release window of 2024. And yeah, a lot of movies got pushed back because of the writer's strike. But I think it's weird when like games get these announcements where it's like, "Yeah, this is in development, but don't expect it for another five years." It's like, I was like, "What's the point of like? Is there really anything?" To- hey, it's buried in Square Enix when they had us on the hook for Kingdom Hearts three for the longest. Yeah, I actually would say that Square Enix has. Um, we're gonna have more of a. I want to talk about Final Fantasy 16 maybe here in a bit, but like, I have to give them this. They got 16 out. Like they announced it. They said when it was expected to come out, and it like came out. And then compared to like well, how like seven have, remake and all and like 15 and all that. Definitely mess. can't repeat the 15 nonsense yeah, again. So. Like 15. They had us thinking 15 was coming out next year for like 10 years straight. And number one on the list is Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel. I'm moving on from this. I, this I, is a I waste. Mean, I'm, I apologize for <laughs> wasting like the last ten minutes of everybody's time with that story. I don't even know why I picked it. It just seemed like it maybe. Anyways, hey man, what's what's your next story? So, <clears throat> I've once again found my weekly AI story. Oh boy, I like how this has become like a common <laughs> thing. How much worse has it gotten? I bring this up. I bring this story up because this is a, a, a similar scam that someone tried to hit me with back when I was uh Oh, you tried to get you got in school. Okay. Let's hear so, it. I want to hear you got scared how people are getting scammed. So, a former Dauphin County official ne- nearly fell victim to a scam using AI and shared her story. Initially, it was my daughter's voice on the phone. Former treasurer Janice Creason said, The call she got from someone claiming to be her daughter was very convincing. She said, I was in an accident. I think I broke my nose, Creason said. The story of some kind of accident involving facial injuries is often used by scammers just to give them cover in case the person receiving the call thinks their relative's relative's voice sounds a little different. Oh, so now they're like saying that like, they got like a facial injury, so like their voice maybe doesn't okay. In the background, I heard people talking. I heard sirens. I heard what sounded like an accident scene. So they even made it sound like oh, yeah, they something had this happened. Whole, there's an emergency. Creason okay. said she ended up speaking to someone posing as a police officer and a lawyer, 
all voices she believes were generated by AI. So they even had first responders. Wait, so what ended up happening? Did she go to the... Or I guess they're trying to get money. After texting her daughter several times, she finally got a response. And the daughter just texted her like, why are you calling me? I'm in a conference. Okay, so this is basically a story of AI posing now as like emergency phone calls so that your mom or dad or some old person who kind of can't tell the difference or whatever like pick up. Scammers are utilizing AI to pose as real people. And see, we've been seeing AI used to copy celebrities, people that we quote unquote know. You can probably tell the difference between Donald Trump and AI Donald Trump. You've heard him before. You know what he looks like. It's a little bit harder to trick you with that. But what happens when you get a phone call from an AI? So it's, a, it's someone you don't know. You have yeah. no frame of reference for what they sound like. And now they're telling you, they're telling you that your family member has been in an accident. They're saying they are para, they're a paramedic. And you have no reason to, like. You can't. Given the situation, you you don't have time to like doubt them mm-hmm. because like it's supposed to be urgent. Yeah, I mean, there's something I've always kind of been concerned about with the whole AI thing is just it's less so maybe like your or my ability to differentiate, and more so like I just worry about like our parents. I mean, eventually it could be us if it gets even better, but like I just think you know, if my mom were to receive something like this, I mean, she would be like, terrified and like frightened and all that stuff, and. She'd probably volunteer up some information or something like that if she just felt like. So, yeah, it's that's not. I remember getting a phone call when I was in the uh, MBA program. I was in class. I get a phone call and a text message. And so I leave class because I'm like, okay, what's going on? Why is my phone going crazy? I don't get. But people don't contact me. I get two messages. I'm worried now. Anyway, uh, I get <laughs> I on the phone and they're like, your brother has been in an accident. And so, and it, and it said to go to like so-and-so hospital. So I'm, I'm calling and texting as I'm headed out the door. I'm basically, I'm, I've left my stuff in the classroom. I'm about to leave. And I don't know what possessed me to call the brother that's supposedly in an accident, but I did. And he picked up. He was like, hey. Yeah. I was like, are you all right? He's like, Yeah. And I, so at that point, I knew I, I, this was a part of some scam. I don't know how they were going to get my money, but some way they were going to try and asked. get something out of me. But that was with a real person. With AI, you can do that at a much larger scale. Yeah, very easily. And you can make it more complex. Yeah. Make it a little bit harder to tell it's not real. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, that's just... For, for fear of sounding like a broken record, I mean, like, AI is a scary thing. It's scarier for people who don't know about it than anything. I mean, I know, like, the fun little jokes are, like, Trump and Biden play Master Duel or whatever, play Pokemon. Like, that stuff's kind of fun. But, like, man, when it's, you know, loved ones or whatever that are being imitated, it's it's different. Stops being a joke. Stops being funny. Yeah, so, um, good to know that AI is kind of keeping up the good fight and, you know, really terrifying us and all that. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel every week when we do this podcast, it's my duty to remind people, as fun as AI seems, it is the only thing on this planet that scares me. 
Yeah. Well, that and wasps. I, I really don't like wasps. Yeah, not many people do though. No, but I'm different. Like, AI. like I'm different. Well, uh, that's all the stories I have. Do you got any others? No, that's it. I was kind of light this week. I'm not even yeah, I feel like not enough like interesting stuff happened. Uh, but we always have. Yeah, we do have the pot of greed to open. Because you guys asked us some questions last week, and we want to answer them. Yeah, I suppose so. So let's draw two cards each. All right, let me get in this pot. Did I not add enough cards? Oh, there's, there's enough. There's enough. Okay, got my two. Oh, that's three. You're just drawing your two together, huh? Yeah. I'm not looking at them yet, though. All right. Cool, cool. I will draw my two cards now, then. Okay, got a few things in here. Jeez. All right. Cool. Um, Okay. I can't read my own handwriting. Okay. I guess I'll go first, or you want to go first? I'll start. I'll start. I'll start. Okay. So... What cards on the Forbidden and Limited list would you unban? Oh, mm. okay. It's a very simple, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! ban list question. What would I unban at this point? I... Hmm. What I cards would we ban and unban? I don't know. You know, I feel like I ha- the ban list, I don't actually have a super strong opinion on it these days. They've like, unbanned so much. I feel like so much stuff's kind of gotten unbanned. I guess I'll give the usual hot take I always give, which is that you'd be surprised what can come off this ban list. Graceful charity. Like Pot of Great. Though I know, like those are the the kind of those are among the very few cards that probably can't. But there's a lot of stuff on there where I I tell you I know like I mention them and people are like, No, that couldn't come back. It got banned because this reason or that. But the honest truth is like there is some stuff where I just feel like it wouldn't actually make a difference. Right. And there's some examples where, like, Master Duel has done it, where it's, like, you know, Spellbook of Judgment, I think it's at two or something in Master Duel, and it's not doing a thing. And, like, the Dragon Rulers, they could all come off, and I really don't think much would happen. But even some of those old spells and traps, like, I, I don't really know that they would make as much impact as people think that they would make. Oh, I have an answer. Okay. Spyro Master Plan. She'd be a little crazy, but maybe she wouldn't. I don't know. Uh, it didn't ask me if I thought it was a good idea. It asked me what I would unban. Yeah. Um, I want my why? beehive lady back. You like Spiral? You're just kind of into it? I've never played Spiral. Wait, so why do you want her back? Well, if I'm going to play Spiral, I want to have all my cards. Fair. Uh, I'm gonna, I was going to say Spellbook of Judgment because that's usually my go-to answer, but like, man, I, I actually don't think it would do, make a dent. So if you want more of like a spicy, fun little take, I have always said that like something like Mirage of Nightmare would be really fun to just watch and see how you, think, you ain't right. You think no? I mean, like I, I I'm not saying it would be like f- fair and balanced and all that. I'm saying like I feel that players might be surprised at how not universally played it would be because I think that we've gotten to a point in Yu-Gi-Oh now where so many combo decks really are far more interested in just seeing their starter cards than they are with seeing like cards that could maybe later draw them something. Like, you know, I, when you think about a card, like, what is that, that Morganite card? Oh, yeah, Time-Rending Morganite. Time-Rending Morganite or whatever. Something like that 10 years ago seems insane, right? Yeah. Like, just, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like, you draw two every draw phase, you get an extra normal summon. Wild. At the expense of just not being able to use card effects in hand. But, like, now it just, 
you just wouldn't, you don't even see the benefits of it until your next turn. You're already playing like a slower deck. And, and it turns off your hand traps immediately. It turns off any like hand traps. It just feels like there are so many cards where if the, the delayed gratification is not worth it compared to like getting your normal summon and your combo going and like making your board. And we need these cards now. So I always think like, you know, Mirage of Nightmare is just, it, it's a strong card, but I'm telling you, you might be surprised at how not as impactful it could be. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, was that the whole question? Did they yeah, ask? that was my, that was, that was my, okay. Mind. All right. Uh, if Yu-Gi-Oh didn't exist, would you still make TCG content? Uh, no. Um, I don't think I would. Well, definitely not. So it's an interesting question. I guess are they asking if Yu-Gi-Oh didn't ever happen, would I make TCG content? Probably not. And then like if, or if you mean if Yu-Gi-Oh disappeared, like tomorrow it's just gone, would I still make content? The answer is probably not. I think if it didn't exist, well then obviously the answer is just no. I think it vanished. I could still maybe try to like play around with other card game things, but for me personally, Yu-Gi-Oh is the only game that like I am like kind of consistently attached to. My interest in other games wanes so much and I just I don't have any real investment in them personally, so I just think I'd be probably not as Yu-Gi-Oh is the only th- reason I got into like card game content creation. If Yu-Gi-Oh didn't exist, I would never have done it. And that's not to say, like, I, I don't dislike other card games. I would even probably still play other card games, but I wouldn't make content. Right, yeah, you guys are very, it, it, it's it's hard to put my finger on what exactly, like, why that is. Maybe it's just because it's, like, the first card game I saw or whatever it might be. I but made content because Paul was like, hey, you want to shoot this deck profile? Yeah. Like. And then here we are. Like if it weren't for Yu-Gi-Oh, I never would have yeah. made my first piece of content. And I think that also without Yu-Gi-Oh here, it would be an interesting chance to kind of explore. Because I think that if I was to just go to another card game, I wouldn't be experiencing anything new with content. Like, I think I could still make content on YouTube, but I just feel like I wouldn't even be in the card game. I'd try to, like, do something totally different. Like, if Yu-Gi-Oh just disappeared, I, would just, I wouldn't be in card games. Because, like, if I transitioned to Magic or transitioned to Pokemon, I feel like I would just be... I would just t- take a one-to-one translation of whatever it is that we do and then just try to apply it to those games. That feels boring when I think about it now. So I think what we do is very specific to Yu-Gi-Oh. It kinda yeah, there are it. some specific parts. So, yeah, if Yu-Gi-Oh didn't exist, would I still make TCG content? The answer is probably not. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Okay, I got my second card. This is kind of a deep card game question. Deep? Let's go. What card game has the best resource system? I don't think that I am qualified mm. to answer this. I have not played enough card games regularly. I do not regularly partake in such things. So. That means, Alec, this one is largely on you. I've, coming from Yu-Gi-Oh, where we don't have a resource, where our resource used to be our monsters, you would tribute them to make bigger monsters. And so... The, your monsters were your resource, and and I guess in a sense your hand was the resource that supplied you with monsters, but that doesn't really exist in Yu-Gi-Oh. So we're gonna ignore that. I've really liked some of the resource systems coming out of um, newer card games. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it's based on that magic model. You know, the mana model is the resource system for card games. Everything seemingly is in some way based on it. But um, there's some very novel takes on resource systems that I really liked. My number one favorite is the Digimon memory system. It is nothing like 
uh, any other resource system that I've seen. I know it comes from another card game. I forget the name of it. I didn't play it, so I won't mention it here. But um, instead of accruing your resource turn after turn after turn, in that game, you're essentially wagering the resource. The game starts off at zero, and however many, like, how many memory points you pay to play a card, your opponent gets to start their turn with. So in a weird way, you are, you're betting against your opponent. I'm betting you can't make, like, max use of the amount of memory I'm giving you, whether that be one memory or seven. Yeah. It's... And, like, oftentimes it's a horrible idea to give your opponent seven memory. But if you think and if you know your opponent can't use that seven memory and they would have, it would have to go to waste on their turn, slap down that card for seven. See what happens. Another cool system. But that's not, that's not all I like. Another cool system, um, Battle Spirits. So recently Alex showed me how to play the uh, Battle Spirits card game. I've always been familiar with it, but I never played it. Their core system is... Is oh Battle Spirit Saga? Yeah, Battle Spirit. Like we haven't saga. talked about that too much lately. Like I, it's only because in our area there's no, there's not like a lot of Battle Spirits happening, and I haven't even built my first constructed deck yet, so I haven't really been tuned in. But their core system is so interesting. Like in a normal mana based system, you typically will gain a core every turn to increase your total amount of mana or cores that you have to play with. You have one special core, I think it's called like a Soul Core. And of all your cores, only you only have one of it, and you can certain cards get special abilities if they have that specific core. Now you can use that core to pay for costs like all the others, but how you use that core can can significantly change the way your cards perform. And I've really I've really liked that system. They have they have ways to ramp up getting your cores, similar to how Magic has its mana ramping strategies. So do, so too does Battle Spirits. I think that's because it's already a mature card game, even though it, we're just getting it now. It already has like mature card game status as far as mana accrual. Um, but so you think your favorite though is Digimon? My favorite is Digimon. Battle Spirits is a close second. That's not taking anything away from more established TCGs like Magic, Pokemon. Uh, even, uh, well, Carfight Vanguard really doesn't have one. But those two are my favorites, yeah. Let's see. All right, I'm going to give my little ignorant layman's answer. What you got? Where I don't I don't really play like these card games. Uh, I think that one of the ones that I really thought was cool was One Piece's Dawn system. Now, I don't play Dawn's One Piece, cool. and so I don't really know if it actually plays out the way I'm about to describe. But I think the fact that you were kind of guaranteed to get the Dawn resources each turn mm-hmm rather than it being something you need to draw. Like, you know, and when I was playing Magic for the first time, I know, like, I had to, to draw your land. You had to draw the land, so, like, there was still, I guess, an opportunity to break a little bit in that way. Stamping up Pokemon's energies. Now, I know that they sort of have mulligans in place to ensure that you have, like, a basic Pokemon or something like that. So, I mean, there's something like that. But, yeah, I think that just making the resources kind of come from the beyond, so to speak. Like, you right. know, it's kind of, there's the guarantee I think helps solve the problem that so many card games run into of like just the RNG issue or maybe right. you open with a land, but then you never see another land for the next like three, four turns. And so like, you can't do anything. So I thought that was clever in terms of just addressing that one little aspect of it. Now I don't play one piece, so I can't maybe someone like Chris might be better posed to like talk about if it's actually a good resource system or not. I don't know. But um, yeah, the one piece system is similar to the bow spirit system where you attach 
the resource to your creatures to yeah. power them up and give them the ability to do battle. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and in certain like strategies, let you manipulate that don where you can pay you pay the don to play a card, then you can attach the don to like activate that card's effects, and you can. You can send Don back to the Don deck. You can get rid of Don. All kinds of the, the Don resource system in One Piece is a novel and cool system. Yeah, so shout outs to that. I think it's novel. I don't know if it's great. I just know that it's novel. Second one is a game that uh, I have only just recently dabbled a little bit in, and it's Grand Archive. Now mm. we've yet to really get to play a lot of it, but um, shout outs to it. It's a very like kind of obscure card game. It had a Kickstarter or something last year. It's fun and it's like neat from the little bit that I've experienced with it. But I think that what's cool about its resource system is that you actually put the cards from your hand mm-hmm. based down, I think, at random. Yeah. Well, I it's think- not random, but the uh, so the the way that it works is um, when you play a card, you put down X number of cards to meet whatever its requirement is, mm-hmm. and then on your next turn, you receive you have to like randomly lose some of those cards. Yeah. Well, so no, 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 they come back. They, you know best, they do. They, you don't get all of them back. Oh, you don't get so them all the back. So the way it works is um, I the play ones this. you pay, don't. Right. I play this card down for four cards from my hand. My next turn, I want to um, play a card from my, my material deck. It costs two. Oh, so, so two of those four cards are randomly removed. Yeah. And then the stuff that's not and removed. And you get the other two back. back. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of neat. I haven't got enough, again, time to play with it, so I can't say for certain if it's like good or bad. I thought it was novel. And I think I'm at the point with card games now where I like value novelty more than anything. Like yeah. whenever I see a card game and it just does something a little unique or something, like even if it's maybe a bad system, not saying that Grand Archives is good or bad, but just when that's the case, I, I find myself more, I'm just like, I want to kind of try this. Because I like that, like just kind of bear it all type of approach to games sometimes. <laughs> not in any weird way, but you know, like, I kind of want it to. You got to take some risks to get places. You want it to be. A, it's okay if the game's a little rough, as long as it's unique. Like if it's fun and it's unique and like it just feels like thrilling, that does it for me more. Like I actually think that something that's kind of translated into Yu-Gi-Oh for me is like I like that, and a lot of people maybe won't get this offhand, like what I'm talking about. I like Willie talks to me, and maybe like Troll or someone might know too. I've been known to speak to Paul I'm, on occasion, every now and again, at least once a week. Um, I, when I play Yu-Gi-Oh, there's a little bit of like sadism and masochism involved. And this thing I don't talk about a lot, but oh, I know. I'm a bit of a sadist about like, I, I want me and my opponent to both like, you know, dance in the flames together and like really, you know, we're, we're going to enjoy this duel from the bottom of our hearts. We're going to put, put it all on the line. Like I want the unfair stuff to happen. I want the tough decisions to have to be made. I want to like, you know, struggle and like claw and grip, like, you know, victories back from the, just from defeat. Like I want it all. And that's something that's kind of unique about, I think maybe playing against me in Yu-Gi-Oh or when I play, it's like, I, I just want the worst in, on both sides. Like I don't want it to be too easy. I don't want to like, you know, just completely blow my opponent out. I want them to like fight back and I want to struggle and I want them to struggle. I just want the whole thing to happen. And so for me, I enjoy walking the tightrope sometimes with these effects and like decks that I pick. And I don't know. So whenever I see a card game that's got a similar rule to that, 
I just, I really like it. Like, I like the idea of, okay, you got to put these cards, like, from your hand face down, and you might randomly lose some. You might get some back, and, like, there is just a certain risk that you have to simply bear and, like, you know, take on in order to make things happen that you want. And sometimes Yu-Gi-Oh! has elements of that where, like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! is a game of incomplete knowledge. I don't know everything in my opponent's hand. I don't know everything they have face down. I don't know what decisions they'll make. And sometimes I might, like, make a hard call and it'll pay off. Or maybe it'll ruin me. But either way, like, I feel like I really, like, kind of push myself in those instances. I Sounds don't like want... a gambling addict to me. Maybe I am. But, like, I don't know. Because I don't like gambling, but, like, I just I think that with Yu-Gi-Oh, I do gambling. like making those those sort of decisions. Like, and I don't know if maybe somebody, a listener or someone in the comments whatever can appreciate that. It's like, so I don't want to play a combo deck where I make an unbreakable board, where, like, I just get to say no to everything you do. Because then you're not getting to fight me back. I also don't want to use a floodgate because then you didn't get to do anything, and that's no fun. So you don't want to play Eldritch. So, I hear you. Well, no, I, I prefer playing Eldritch just maybe without floodgates. But what I do want to do is I want to wrestle, I want to tango, I want to, like, wear you down and, like, sap away the resources, take away the options. Like, that's more enjoyable for me. So that was a long-winded way of saying that Creative card games are cool, especially ones where there's a little bit of risk involved. This is why you win at Yu-Gi-Oh. When I win at Yu-Gi-Oh. Wins more than I'm me. A, I'm a masochist. I'm playing, like, uh, Dogmatica and, like, Diamond and stuff on Master Duel right now where everyone just plays Brandon. And so you use Dogmatica and make them send things from their extract to the grave. You're just giving them effects. It's crazy. Okay, my last uh, card for the Pot of Greed. Uh, oh, boy. I thought we were going to end this with, like, a short question. Uh-oh. I mean, this could be short, but is Yu-Gi-Oh! accessible for new players? Yes. All right, it's over. Pod's <laughs> over, guys. Kept Bye. It, kept it simple. No. All right, see you um, next week. No. Uh, um, actually, uh, no. Yeah, no. You, um, you have the stage. I've got a lot to say, too. So, But I don't have much to say, honestly. Um, I mean, you can just look at the state of the game today. You have to really want to play Yu-Gi-Oh! to learn Yu-Gi-Oh! today. It, you just have to. There's we have we have many different there's many different parts of Yu-Gi-Oh! you have to learn. You have to learn about the types of cards, how they interact, what they do, what they don't do. And you have then before and then you have to learn rulings and why the wordings of cards are this way. You know, I had a thought earlier today, Paul. You know what that thought was? What's that thought? There are no synonyms in Yu-Gi-Oh. How do you mean? Like well, you know how what a synonym is, right? It's like mm-hmm. two different words that mean similar or the same thing where you can use them interchangeably. Yeah. And you get doesn't exist. In Yu-Gi-Oh, if two words sound synonymous, well, too bad they because they're different words and that means they work differently. All right. So my take on that little bit before I get into my just answering the actual question is I think Yu-Gi-Oh benefits and hurts for its clarity. So, like, no, I probably worded that badly. I guess it, it, Yu-Gi-Oh having no synonyms, I don't think is like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. At least, obje- like, just in a general sense, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's good that every word means a specific thing, and that kind of goes back to that, just like the problem-solving card text that Konami introduced. Like way back in 2011, they added problem-solving card text, and they're like, okay, we are going to make these cards like be written and like worded in such a way that you can kind of like. Always figure out the way that things are supposed to work. This is a cost. This is an effect. This is what this means. This is how like different things resolve. And it's actually an underappreciated aspect of Yu-Gi-Oh! Before then, I, cards could get really wild and hard to interpret. 
And I think that because Yu-Gi-Oh! almost reads like legal speech, where every word has an exact meaning and every phrasing has an exact meaning and it's like resolved, it is good. But I think that Yu-Gi-Oh!'s plain language doesn't always translate well. So, and this might be sort of what you're saying, is that whole like missing the timing if versus when effects, right? Mm-hmm. And though, and then like sort of cards that functionally feel like they summon themselves through a card effect versus just summoning themselves through a condition. Which like, is the difference mean, between a card starring a chain and versus summoning yeah. itself versus su- just summoning it's, itself. It's parts like that that I think get... That's where like Yu-Gi-Oh's things that seem like nearly synonyms aren't actually synonyms nope, at all and are, are completely, completely different. different. And so it's like... So... But to answer the actual question, is Yu-Gi-Oh accessible? So you say no. No. I say... If I dare you are you to disagree. No, I don't disagree. I think it I think it is not super accessible. I think that there are parts of Yu-Gi-Oh that get misrepresented in terms of its difficulty, and I think that there are parts that aren't actually like that are worse than people think they are. So Yu-Gi-Oh's rules are not like you you know people say like Yu-Gi-Oh is so complicated and there's so many rules. It actually doesn't have loads. Like I think that you can Learning Yu-Gi-Oh! is not as bad as people say. It's really not. Things do largely work as intended. Ish. And all that stuff. It's just that sometimes when you're playing it, I think the amount of elements at play at one time is where it can get a little bit much. So I know like how monsters work and how life points work. Spells, traps, chain chain links, like, you know, spell speeds, like types of trigger effects or whatever. That's all fine and good. I think it's just that today... And I know this is going to sound like a Yugi Boomerang, but today... Here we go. Sometimes it can just really, like, so many effects can happen, like, in someone's turn or, like, just that can affect the game state. And you see all these times where someone act They start their turn by using Pot of Prosperity, and then, like, ten minutes later, through all these different interactions and, you know, tier cards or something maybe got activated or like, Bestials or whatever. What was that game you and I played? You and I played Ninjas versus... Was that like Despia? Maybe. Where and we so had much these like intense chains during the standby chains phase. Just, yeah, like happening in the standby phase and like someone just resolving. And then you finally make it to the freaking battle phase 10 minutes later. And then like someone attacks and then you forget to do the half damage for prosperity because so much has happened. And, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! doesn't allow note-taking, at least not except for, like, really specific cases. And that, it just it can be, like, hard to keep up with Yu-Gi-Oh! And then another thing that stacks on top of that is that some, so many decks have their own specific gimmick that all their monsters, like, work this way. Like, mm-hmm. all the Madolches activate and go shuffle back in the deck or all the whatevers do this. It's like each, each match you play or each duel you play can be just a wildly different experience than the last. And that's good because it's like there's variety there and that's kind of unique and it's a strength. But it's also like there's just so much text and like you don't always have time to process it when you're playing against it. And But you know what? We misunderstood the question, Paul. Yeah. That question said, is Yu-Gi-Oh! Not if Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG is. Oh, is it accessible? Oh, you think so there's like a different, you're interpreting it. So more now like, we can think about it. We can think about it a little bit differently. I could show some bundle links. Yeah, I okay. think I could I could put Duel Links in the hands of a beginner. Honestly, yeah. I think I could put Master Duel in the hands of a beginner. Yeah, if that's what you meant by the question, whoever left this, if that is what they mean, then my answer does change to yeah, sure, it's pretty accessible. Like, if they play, and if they then if they play Duel Links and or Master Duel, 
they could probably then transition into playing the TCG after some weeks and months of playing those games. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, they still have the difficulties of like kind of learning Yu-Gi-Oh, but they, I think that automation makes it significantly easier. And then being like a free-to-play download game. Just to get in at the ground floor. Um, one last kind of not that related, but sort of related point about Master Duel. Master Duel will make you good at like understanding the procedural aspect of playing Yu-Gi-Oh. It people does resolve it, everything properly. It do, people don't give it enough credit. It like does such a good job like signifying effects that have been used, signifying mm-hmm. costs and effects. Like everything's very well represented visually, and just that exact process of like you know pay cost, activate card, like target thing, effect resolves. It just it's very. So yeah, I think in that way it's accessible for sure. So you know, I changed my answer. I think yes, it is, but only barely. <laughs> only, only, only barely. Only just. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, so uh, those were our cards for this uh, pot of greed. Yeah, awesome. We drew two. We had a fun time. What do you think about any of the stories we talked about? A bit of a slower week for sure. Um, hopefully next week yields more exciting oh, yeah. TCG drama and news. And can I just get a round of applause for us still continuing this streak of getting this pot up? Yeah, that's true. We are we're going pretty strong, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, uh, we will be at Anime Expo this weekend, so if anybody is there, come say hi, and we will bring probably some stories next week if we like see Shadowverse or other kind of neat. And if you make yourself memorable enough at Expo, maybe you'll be a story on next week's Pot of Greed. That sounds like a challenge. Oh well, (laughs) let's see if someone will meet it. All right, hopefully you guys enjoyed. We'll see you next time. Past Past turn. turn.